He's a mercurial talent. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Aaron fucking Ramsdale Podcast with Alexander Moneypenny, my very good friend Bradley Adams, and Football London's own... Aaron Catterson Reed. Hashtag welcome, Aaron. <laughs> it's He's good back. to be here. It's good to be He's here. Back. Thanks for having me on, guys. Listen, Aaron, I don't want to say I don't want to say your perform- uh, performance on the Different Not podcast catapulted you into your new role, but um, <laughs> I will take some credit. Me and Brad will uh, me sort of, sort of platforming your career. No, we're joking. Congratulations, man, and yeah, welcome man. back to the podcast. Cheers, mate. It's, it's really nice to be on. Yeah, in my in my interview, they actually they mentioned it. They were like, "Oh, there's there's two guys, Different Not guys." They Without them, you'd be nothing, mate. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to be. Thanks, thanks for yeah, having me. So without that, <laughs> no, we appreciate you on. So, what's your new role? Talk to us about it. What do you do uh, with Football London? Mm-hmm. Well, at the minute, it's called trends writing. It's really just writing on Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, new stuff. So, obviously, at the minute, heavily, heavily transfer related. As the as the season goes on, I don't know how exactly that will change. Maybe into more in-depth feature stuff but yeah at the minute big big time transfer so i probably know every single rumor involving arsenal in the last three months you're creating them have you created oh, yeah. this aaron ramsdale link uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> when, well, that's for later that's for later yeah that's for later welcome back to the different podcast this is a arsenal 2021-2022 season preview predictions podcast all the p's uh, we're going to be doing some previews, some predictions, so strap in, uh, get your hot takes ready, and uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. So, a um, couple of caveats before we before we do start. This is, we're recording Wednesday the 11th of August in the evening. This will be out on the Thursday the 12th, so there will be signings. We will come back to this uh, we at hope. the end of the season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pray to the Lord there will be signings. So, there'll be, I'm sure, some predictions uh, that might be uh, slightly different had we signed Anana and... Messi and Neymar, etc., etc., which of course we will. Um, we've also got some questions. We'll get into those over the uh, course of the pod. So let's start off. First question. Uh, let's start with you, Aaron, or Mikel, as you're titled on this uh, platform. <laughs> uh, I'd love to get your overall feelings heading into the new season. Uh, I- I'm not going to ban the word transfers, but I feel like that might might come up a lot. But let you know, sort of overall. Um, takes like optimism levels anxiety levels uh how you feeling um at this moment in time not great i i don't think we'll be as bad as last season and i have very little evidence for that especially with how bad we've been in pre-season but i think we'll be top seven potentially if we uh bring in a, a creator um i think we will come fifth but I just can't see us cracking into that top four. And I am worried about the way we're playing at the minute as well. There's just no creativity in our team, yet we play with a high line as if we are overloading teams with chances. So it's a, it's a weird balance at the minute. Um, like I said, I'm not incredibly optimistic, but probably not as down as some people who think we'll be ninth, 10th again. Yeah, there, there are there are a couple of 
reasons for optimism. I mean, how do you think no European football, less fixtures will kind of play into things? Obviously, it's more time on the training ground. I mean, I want to say it will have a big impact, but I don't want to be too optimistic. I mean, what's your thoughts on that one? I think it can be a little bit overstated, to be honest with you, especially because Europa League, you look at the group stage, we played our B team the whole way through. Yeah, Thursday, Sunday isn't the most ideal um, set of fixtures, but as far as I'm aware, last season, our results didn't drastically change before after um, before after European games. So I think it yeah will benefit us a bit, but the caveat of that is youngsters aren't going to get game time like Martinelli, Balogun, um, even the younger guys like Aziz, Charlie Patino, are they going to get any minutes? Because it's really just the League Cup, the FA Cup. They don't really see many of them getting um, getting played in the Premier League, but Arteta anyway. Yes. Brad, without saying uh, leave the club, what does Mikel Arteta need to do? I mean, he's got a huge task ahead of him. I think this is probably, you know, every, <laughs> every time you're going to say it's a season-defining, you know, a career-defining season, all that sort of stuff. But this really, really does feel like if not last chance saloon, a a huge, uh, especially sort of first six to eight games. Yeah, it's it's the fork in the road. He's had a, a very good amount of time with this set of players at this club. He's now into his third or fourth transfer window as manager, so able to influence policy. Um, I think what he needs to do is be brave. And I know that's such like a colloquialism, but one thing that we we cannot go into this season, and no matter whether I agree with his decisions or whether they're like some of the decisions he's already made could be categorized as brave, but brave isn't too far from stupid. Um, you know, I just think that there this is the time for him to kind of no holds barred, kind of just show us through his tactics and selection what his vision is because. We we saw parts of it in the back end of that season where we won the FA Cup with playing out from the back, but a lot of last season was played without real sense of identity through large, large portions, maybe because of lack of personnel, but due to injuries, we were constantly kind of chopping and changing, like Granite Xhaka at left back. What kind of identity are you meant to create with that? But I think without kind of mentioning the word signings, I think with the opportunity to play one game a week, we need to, as much as we can, stick to a philosophy, stick to a system and stick to a set of players. Whether that works or not for him will be the be all and end all of his career. But the worst thing to do right now would be to be kind of chopping and changing and fucking about with everything again and again and again, because we need to start breeding some familiarity about how we play and the way that we play with this group of players to be successful moving forward as well. It's a difficult balance to strike, isn't it? Because there's a there's the part of you going, you want to you want him to find some consistency, you want him to find some uh, some rhythm with a with a say you know twelve to fourteen regular first teamers who who stick in and around that first team. I look at Aston Villa last season and the benefits of having a stable set team um, and what that did for them. I think there's some some element of that that we can sort of try and echo this season. But also when things are going wrong, if you don't make changes, it, it looks it can look stupid. You can kind of, you know, people pull out the sort of Einstein, you know, doing the same thing again. That's uh, crazy or whatever it is and expecting the same result, whatever that phrase is that I just butchered. But the 
the point is, I think there's a maybe a macro um, goal for the season is to find that like that set identity and that set core group of players, that set kind of playing style, um, a clear vision for the team and the fans to get behind. But it is striking that balance with if things are going wrong week two, you know, how do you how do you get out of that? So I, I think he's got a huge task ahead of him, and I, and I, don't, I don't have the answers. I just think it's a it's it's a big question. And I think I think the big issue with it is is he's had so much time to do that. You know, we looked at when Brendan Rodgers came into Leicester, immediately kind of the style of play changed. We haven't had that, and he's been our manager for eighteen months. This is the perfect season for us to already know our twelve to fourteen players, have that set style of play, have those tactics ready, those patterns of play, and roll at them. Look, we're not gonna we don't have the quality in numbers to beat every single team, but we need to play doing what we are going to do. We like we no longer can be this team that just sets up for every specific team. It works in cup football. It does not work in league football because there's such a variety and you get such little time to, to kind of game to game, set these plans in motion. We just have to pick the way we're going to play, which I think we should have done already. And go out there and do it. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that will kind of rise and fall on the abilities of Mikel Arteta. Uh, And I think this season will be the defining season. Either he will be gone or we'll see him for a while, I think. Aaron, your thoughts on that? And a sort of follow-up question, what would you quantify as success this season? What What would make you feel there's sort of light at the end of the tunnel here? Yeah, well, I completely agree. We need we need a core set of players we're playing every week. So so last season we only played the same starting eleven in the Premier League twice. I think it was Aston Villa we lost three nil and United that we beat one nil. So I think yeah, having having a set of players that yeah, fourteen, fifteen that we want to start, obviously you're gonna have injuries, especially, you know, tyranny party, very injury prone, but I think that that centre back partnership is a really important thing. So last season we just chopped and changed all the time. Gabriel and White has to be the duo. Obviously Gabriel's out for a couple of weeks. They need to be playing thirty plus times together. Otherwise sending Saliba on loan was pointless because everyone says, "Oh Gabriel, Gabriel White, he wouldn't have got any game time." So yeah, I think having that having that core set of players and that system. So not going to Bamiyang on the left one game and then striker next game and then in Ketia for Lacazette, stuff like that's important. In terms of success, it's a difficult one because I want to say top four, but realistically, we're, we're not going to get in the top four unless Liverpool or, I don't know, United had a per season, but I, I really just don't see that happening. So I think fifth, and potentially a cup run. It's it sounds quite sad saying it, but I, I'd probably be happy with that. You know, if you get to a semi final and a final of a cup, come fifth, I would be content. Especially if a if a play style is there. If we're noticing creating lots of chances, maybe just don't have the personnel to execute some things. I think that's fair enough. We sort of saw in the second half of the season, especially when Abamyang was up front, we were out creating teams. We really were. Aubameyang was, yeah, he was in poor form in front of goal, but I like the balance of having Saka, Smith, Rowe and Pepe all behind him. And then if we can add someone into the mix as well. So, yeah, like I said, fifth, 
maybe a cup run, although I don't know about you guys, I'm not as fussed on the FA Cup anymore. Um, but I think a play style and integrating the youth is really important. I don't want to see Martinelli have six starts this season. I don't want to see Aziz not have a single start. I I want to see those guys come in. I don't want to see any more El Nene, Bellerin, the usual suspects. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tall order. It's a tall order. I think uh, just to come back to your first point, there was a I was reading doing some research for something the other day, and I saw that Arsenal were the third most uh we had like the third most amount of different players used in the first team i think it was like 29 or something last year that that could be a different number but we certainly were like third or fourth and around the kind of so-called smaller clubs you know and i think a lot of what i'd love to see us do this year is start to act like a big team i talked about this in the last podcast like this decisiveness and this ruthlessness that Mikel has promised I'm not really seeing. And the thing is, there's a level of like financial might that has to be taken into it. There's certain things that we literally can't do because we don't have the money to do. We can't afford to just go out and buy Lukaku because our top scorer's only got 12, uh, like Chelsea can. But we can afford to be ruthless in terms of performances. If a player is not performing, do not stick with him. I, I don't want to see another Willian situation where someone is week in, week out being picked. And being picked, you know, the sort of there was the conversations last year around the non-negotiables. And if we're trying to create an identity, we're trying to create a team that is cohesive and has a clear vision, we can't be allowing, it has to be meritocracy, we can't be allowing this. these, <laughs> the only word I have is grebos, but I don't know why that's coming to, probably because I'm staring at Brad's face. But the, the, <laughs> but the, the this, this sort of level of uh, inconsistency in, in picking out what is, when, when we do want and when we don't want a meritocracy can't happen because we have to start acting like a big club. If we want to be in and around those clubs, we have to start acting like them in, in and where we can. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tall, it's a tall order. It's a tall order. What would, uh, just before we head to the predictions, what's your absolute flaw, like absolute flaw, which you would accept as in any lower and you'd want a, a, a big change, whether that be managerial or executive, Brad, what would be your, you know, specific floor uh probably sixth place wow <laughs> uh because i think look the the top four have pulled away just on pure spending power alone uh and if you look at the teams kind of around that it, it obviously does depend i know we've banned the word but it depends on the kind of final acts of the transfer window because if madison leaves leicester whether that be for us or somebody else that is such a big loss for them that will pull them away and i think sixth place with spurs having a new manager having a captain and a talisman who doesn't want to play for the club isn't turning up to training uh who are you know they're they're losing what is the core of their sides apparently tango and dombele uh wants to leave uh, who knows if that's going to happen or if that's even true. Um, and I think we've had enough time now to start to see some improvements. We were second in the league in points post-Christmas. And although the squad isn't marketably better because, you know, we've lost Erdegaard and added White, so we're kind of like-for-like like quality-wise, there does now have to be a kick-on in how we get these players to play. We've been eight to two seasons in a row you know, that some of the teams around us and behind us have just lost some of their best players. Whatever you think of the signings Villa have made, 
losing Grealish and replacing him with three players who have never played together before under a manager who is only used to setting up a system to rely on the mercurial brilliance of Jack Grealish is a big hit for them. And we have to take our chance to push back into that top six and then push on, hopefully, into the top four. So for me, I don't really... Uh, and I think it's ironic because I think Arsenal have made winning the FA Cup look so easy that we now just don't give a shit about it. But I, I, I don't care if we get knocked out kind of third round of both cups. For me, it's let's get back into the Europa League because that seems like the most likely avenue to get into the Champions League. Let's get that next year. Let's get sixth. It would be a good platform to then build off of again. And I think that's kind of the floor. If we're finishing out of it again and we're, we're talking about conference league football or lower, I think that's when you really start to have to have a conversation about a change in management and a change in executive structure because we're delivering the same results year on year on year after millions of pounds of improvement in apparently the tools to play with. And it's just showing that either the manager, the coaching staff or the executive structure cannot get the best out of what they are being given. Aaron, your floor, carpet, wood, what is it? I, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat, Brad. I think sixth is cutting it close. You know, if Spurs come out, Kane stays, Romero is a hit. If they have a mad season, they come fifth, fair enough. But I want to see us up there. We can't, I don't want to see next season people going, oh, it's not in the top six anymore. Like, because if, if we don't come this season, we're not. Like, we've had, we've had two seasons in a row. There's only so much rebuilding a club can do before you cut your losses. So, yeah, seventh and it's 100%. Need a new manager, need a whole new structure. And Edu needs to go as well, if that's the case. So it's a very thin line between... I think Edu should go anyway, mate. But Probably. I mean, probably. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell, I guess, at the minute. But with, with, with who he's got out of the club so far, we haven't actually received any money. I know we've got um, Gwendozi obligation, but no money in the pocket right now is is a pretty bad mm. look. Mm-mm-mm. Uh I would slightly differ from you two in that the manner in which we we go about things would sort of factor slightly in more for me. I think as long as I see progress, I'm happy, but then this is the problem is like how do you define progress? Uh I think we have to come we have to improve on eighth. I think I would say eighth is my absolute floor, and at that point, I would be saying no. We need to we need to change because that's three eighth places in a row, and you just you can't defend that. Um, but you know, if we narrowly miss out on Europa League in an in an excellent style, and it feels like you know things are really clicking into place, I'd probably be willing to give it a bit more time. But I think ultimately, this season is it's it's absolutely crucial and every season's crucial hey oh this season's crucial but this season for this current setup they've had enough time um and i think now now is now is really you know all the covid caveats hopefully will start to go away all of the sort of you know not been backed caveats hopefully by the end of the window will start to go away um and yeah it's results time scary right boys i'm excited for this let's get into our predictions Ooh, this should be saucy. We've also put these out on Twitter, so I'll be uh, referring to those and uh, getting some sort of audience opinion as well. Uh, I wanted to start with a hot take. I asked both of you to predict an event. So an example could be Arsenal win both North London derbies, Mikel is sacked by Christmas, whatever your uh, thing is, but an event around Arsenal that you think is going to happen this season. 
I'm going to start with Bradley Adams. With Bradley Adams. Ah, okay. Um, I, for some reason, uh, and it's, I can see this season going the way of so many seasons before where we're doing really, really well and we fall away come the end of the season. And I think that might be one of the reasons we fall out of fifth or sixth in the same way that we'd be leading the league at Christmas 20 points ahead and then somehow by May we're fourth. That kind of season. I think that for me, because I think I don't think we'll win a cup this year because I don't think we'll be focusing on it. I can see hopefully Aziz, Balogun, uh, maybe even Patino, uh, maybe Kiddo Taylor Hart and a couple of other youngsters get some minutes. But I, I do think that hopefully we're going to come out of the gates very, very strong and then we're going to fall away by the end of the season. I think that's my prediction. Can you put that? My event is that. Can you put that in like My a... event is that come, come, come kind of March, April, we will fall away and hit a bad run of form. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I see that. There was another one that I was tempted to do, and hopefully this isn't taking one away from you, Aaron, about injuries. I have a slight concern about injuries next season. I wonder whether that will play into it about, you know, COVID, how much football's being played. Well, yeah, I just, I, I do, I do have a concern about that. Aaron, what was your, what was your event? So mine's kind of the opposite of Brad's. I think we're going to have a really bad start. I think... I don't think we're going to be Brentford. We've covered the basis then. Yeah. One of yeah. us is going to be right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think we'll be Brentford and I think we'll lose back-to-back Chelsea and yeah. City. Same. Then I think Same. we're going to yeah. go out, we're going to go out and we're going to spend. I don't know why I can see it being Odegaard. I just, I can't picture James Madison in an Arsenal shirt. I would like to, but I just see Odegaard happening. Um, so I think then he'll come in and I think we will have a pretty good season off the back of that. Like I said, we'll start off a bit shaky. No Europe will be a factor. And I think we'll come fifth. And I think Mikel will slowly but surely um, change a lot of people's minds. Well, hopefully, anyway. That's maybe a little bit... We love an underdog. Yeah. We do love an yeah. underdog. Yeah, we do. Do you know what? That really... Uh, really sort of chimes with me. Because do you remember the Urzel summer? Was it 2013 or 14 when he signed? 13, that, yeah, 13. 13 right mm-hmm. we were really poor and there was that video from the guy going just got off to play from Ecuador. Ecuador that guy <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> uh, the, take the, the Prado Villa. yes yeah. we lost we lost the Villa <laughs> I'm seeing another <laughs> a start like that I, yeah. I really yeah. I really can see yeah. that I I just for it, sure there's a there's a kind of there's a similar mood around the club um mm-hmm. as there was then fucking hell I'm getting old um <laughs> remember the mood from 2013 that was nearly that's like that's like what that's eight years that's eight years ago yeah. now um i've told this story before on the podcast i i i remember that summer writing an article for someone saying that gonzalo higuain had signed with no information just because i wanted him to have signed <laughs> Love that. So that that was a painful summer that's when the suarez bid came in as well yeah, I remember. I, I, that's, I think that's one of them. Like, imagine, like, 40 million. And a, if we'd have just gone 45 and got that done, yeah. we'd be, we, we, we'd have a, at least one more league title. Like, Mate, people, doors, people forget that uh, Suarez was missing training because he was begging to come to Arsenal. Yeah. Like, and Gerard like he, told him not to. Yeah, Gerard was like, nah, stay another year and you can go to a real big club or something like that. 
But yeah, Suarez was like on his hands and knees to play for Wenger. I feel like a lot of people don't remember that. How wrong was Gerard? Suarez never got that big move. Uh, <laughs> so my prediction, a little bit niche. I think we're going to see further executive and coaching change regardless of results. I don't think the executive setup as it is, is done. I think there's more space for someone in on the football side of things because um, Rich, Richard Garlick coming in supposedly is leading negotiations and all that sort of stuff. I think there's going to be further change on a kind of footballing side, a bit more football oversight. Um, I don't know how that will dovetail with an Edu role or whether that'll be in tandem. I think there will probably be probably quicker if the results aren't going well, but I think there will definitely be executive change. I also think there'll be coaching change. I've long said, um, and this is a point made by Tim Stillman, uh, who made, made it like in the uh, like March, April time, but I, I still remember it. it's a really good point. When David Moyes um, was leading West Ham through that really good patch, he referenced that he turns to his right and he sees two people, I think it's Alan Kerbishley and maybe even Stuart Pearce, two people who have top, top, top level management experience. Mikel turns to his right and he sees people who don't. And maybe excellent coaches, maybe maybe fantastic football brains, but people who simply have not been in those situations before. And I think there is definite need at coaching level, especially if things start to go wrong and there's a kind of final um, uh, push to, to make the Mikel project work. I think that we could see someone come in. I, <laughs> I said this, and this is a hot take. Roy Hodgson. Oh, I, I knew you were I would not have hated, and I know you're, everyone's shaking their head right now, but I would not have hated Roy Hodgson. This is such a weird take. Roy Hodgson coming in in an advisory position, coming in, because think about it, he's basically retiring. He doesn't want to be on the sort of on the top stage anymore. He's probably done with that pressure. But coming in a couple of days a week, providing advice, providing a bit of oversight, providing a bit of experience, I don't think is the worst idea. But listen, hey, call me crazy. I think you will not. Oh, you're, you're, you're I, I, I think the selection is wrong, but you're not far off the the idea. Look, every top manager's yeah. had a top assistant, and mm-hmm. you you know there was a clip going around Twitter the other day with some just absolutely stupid comments on it about Mikel Arteta's time after leaving Arsenal and going to to City, saying like, "Oh, another reason we should hate him is he was basically like giving Guardiola the keys to just destroy this Arsenal team." Blah 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 blah. blah. I mean, that was his job at the time. Like, you're a moron if you think the man's just going to refuse to do his job because he played for the club once. Like, what are you chatting? But it is that idea that when Pep was in trouble, he turned to Arteta. When, um, especially when uh, Klopp started at Liverpool, when he was in trouble, he turned to Zezko Buvac. You know, there's 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 often been very big influences from assistant managers in the game and I think that is something that has held Arteta back that he often feels like the only brain at the club you know because I I I don't trust anyone there mainly because I don't I don't know them you know you think of like Carlos Cuesta he's my age or younger and you and you you look at that and you go like I who is going to pull Mikel aside and go look this isn't working. Let's or spot something that he might not be because he's so focused on other things. We I don't do even need think a brain Edu has that. I don't no, even think Edu has not. that. Authority. Absolutely not. And I think, it, but I think it has to be someone permanent rather than getting Roy Hodgson in for two years until he retires three days a week. I think it should be somebody <laughs> permanently. It's his full time job, and because that's I don't know. I think that's just the way you build a successful model with that rather than. I'm just. 
Almost I'm just imagining Roy Hodgson turning up in a velvet blazer three days a week. <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> I, I can't see Roy Hodgson wearing that Arsenal tracksuit. I, I just, yeah. it just <laughs> the thought of that is weird. And honestly, I think Roy in his heyday was a good manager. But yeah, I agree yeah. with Brad. We can't. Well, he's what seventy three, seventy four, isn't he? We, yeah. I, I don't know. Realistically, we need to get Tony Pulis in just for the memes. The Spanish yeah, Tony yeah, Pulis yeah. and the actual Tony Pulis. Imagine, imagine <laughs> Mikel and Tony chatting about football. Could you <laughs> love it. Imagine. Or, or Lee Gunner would we've got, have a field day. We've, <laughs> we've got the All or Nothing documentary. Oh, imagine yeah. we got Stephen Warnock because you know. Uh, you know that video of Stephen Warnock. We've got to die for three points. You got to oh, fight Neil, Neil Neil to get three Neil points. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If we had one knock and our yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, um, it, I, don't. I keep forgetting Neil, that Neil documentary. Warnock, I think Warnock's, Yeah. Anyway, imagine what uh, it's going to say if if we sign Ramsdale. Imagine what the episode around that's going to going to have in it. That's going to have some yeah. spicy content. <laughs> At AFC Bobby Twenty Two says he's not confident. Uh, he success. He says top six or a trophy, um, and uh, he says <laughs> he says what constitutes not success? Not getting the success, which is you know fair. <laughs> uh, at Yan Gunner says uh, top four or a trophy is success. Uh, no success is no European football. Wants to be in the top four. And Harrison uh, at Harrison Ramon says what constitutes success? Not signing Ramsdale. Uh, and uh, he says what would you sack Mikel for signing Ramsdale. So uh, at, least, at least he's clear. Uh, okay. Predictions wise. So we've had our predictions. I'm just going to have a look at the uh, uh, AFC Bobby also says Arsenal win the Carabao Cup. And uh, at Yander Gunner says Totteringham's day on the final day of the Premier League, which oh. would be lovely. Oh. Okay. Top scorer for Arsenal in the 2021-2022 season. Uh, put this out on Twitter earlier. I've had 58 votes. Top of the list is Nicolas Pepe. Second is Aubameyang. And third is Alexander Lacazette. Nicolas Pepe with a half the vote share there. Uh, Aaron, who is your top scorer? Um, it's quite boring, but I just think Aubameyang. I think he's going to come back and he is going to have a very good season. However, he has to play up front. I think if he doesn't, he will still be top scorer, but it won't be by a bigger margin. I like Pepe, but he still never hit 10 league goals for us as far as I'm aware. So unless he gets given penalties for the full season, I I just see Aubameyang. And hopefully Lacazette doesn't play that much or leaves. So I'm I'm with the audience. I'm on Pepe. I think because I, I just can't see Aubameyang starting every game next season. I think uh, there was a, a an article by Amy Lawrence recently, which which she referenced some comments from Darren Burgess, and talks about basically Abamyang's biggest um, sort of one of his biggest traits uh, that they they looked at. But when they signed him, they looked at like players heading into their thirties, and you know what is a realistic expectation of Abamyang, and he's thirty two, and he one thing he said was games keep him on that level, and consistent games, games every couple of days. Abamyang's always ready, he's always training, he's always at the top of his game. Unless Aubameyang absolutely canes it in training, not Harry canes it, uh, in training, I do worry about his physical capacity to carry on and start every single game, play 90 minutes. I just think Aubameyang will play less games because we're going to have to start preserving him. We're going to have to start watching his explosiveness, which I think is already going. 
Um, so I just think in terms of minutes, I think Pepe will play more. I also think um, Pepe will have, well, I mean, he ended the season really well. And I think there's a, I don't know whether it would be an explosion. I'm not necessarily going to say there's going to be some kind of, you know, huge Pepe explosion. But I will say, I think he'll play more uh, and more uh, consistently. I think hopefully if we use Pepe in that last 20 yards of the pitch where he's just most effective, I think he will probably end up our top scorer, but probably not because only because of his merits, if that makes sense. Brad? Uh, I think Aubameyang in the league, but Pepe overall. Because I think we'll see Pepe playing in like FA Cups, Carabao Cups. It depends whether we we kind of prefer Saka on the right. Because if we do, I think he'll be playing most of our league games. So I think if we're going sheer volume of goals, I think it is hard to look past Aubameyang purely because that... Uh, that centre-forward option is so weak for us that you, I can really only see him playing Aubameyang, especially because I think Lacazette's going to leave because if we do let him run down that final year of the contract and just go for free, it's, it's madness. So I think it will be Aubameyang purely because there is so little option up front, whereas in Pepe's kind of positions, you've got... Saka, Martinelli, Smith Rowe can play out there. You know, there, there's uh, Nelson, depending on whether he goes on loan or, you know, I think there's a lot more congestion. So I think purely on that basis, I'm going to go Aubameyang. I don't, I don't agree. I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of options up front and I'm not saying any more than the wing or any less, but I think there's a lot of people who potentially could play through the middle. I also think with the, with the signing of, of Balligan, there must have been, some kind of uh, conversation around playtime because that was cl- that was clearly Balogun's mm-hmm. sticking point, right? There must have been a conversation around playtime. I'm not saying he's going to start every single game, but I am saying there must be some kind of conversation around playtime. Martinelli supposedly has been training there. Pepe supposedly has been training there. You still got Lacazette. If he doesn't go out, there may be another striker who comes in. I think Aubameyang could really struggle unless he's careful. And if we want to create this meritocracy, I don't know. I just I I don't. I don't think it's going to be a clear road. And something, uh, a point Clive made on the Arsenal Vision podcast, which I think is a really good uh, good point to make. People talk about Aubameyang as a, as a kind of confidence player. And I do think it is a, a bit of a front for someone who probably is a little bit insecure about his position in the club. And I think if Aubameyang isn't treated like you are the star guy, which I don't think we can do at this point, especially if he's not banging them in. I wonder how the season plays out for him and I wonder what happens because, you know, you've got Balogun banging on the door, you've got Pepe banging on the door, players who can play through the middle potentially um, and maybe even someone coming in. So I don't know, I just, I don't predict smooth sailing for Aubameyang. It it depends who goes out, who comes in. But I think we have to be wary of calling every single player that plays for Arsenal a confidence-based player because we've had this conversation around Lacazette, around Ozil when he was going through his struggles. Not every single footballer because they look a certain way, live a certain way is is confidence-based. And I I think every footballer is confidence-based. When they're low in confidence, they're not going to be able to do the same things as when they're really flying. We've seen that with Pepe. We've seen that with literally probably every footballer to go through a bad patch. True, but not not every footballer drives a Lamborghini very loudly, has, you know, the haircuts the way he does, does front flips and relies on that kind of, and, and has always kind of been that sort of, that character. I mean, you know, everyone is affected by confidence, but I do think the point that Clive made is a really good one that I think when 
I, I wonder whether that's the, all that sort of stuff is a bit of a front. And I've seen Aubameyang from my, with my own eyes, in, from obviously from my perception, I don't know him, from my perception, appearing to, you know, his head drops. Um, I, I don't see him as regularly, you know, sort of smiling and joking. I don't know, maybe that's just my perception, but I do feel a bit of a... Um, an insecurity creeping in Aubameyang just by watching him on the field and, and a little bit off the field as well, although there's sort of less you can tell with that. I think maybe you might be overanalyzing it. I don't know. I, I feel like Aubameyang's just as smiley, just as... I don't think he's the type of guy, he's not on his he doesn't need his arm around him. I think he needs to consistently play because people forget he was out injured a couple of times last season and he's never really been injured in his career. Malaria is another thing. If he gets a consistent run of games starting through the middle, he's going to score goals. His game doesn't rely on his pace. His pace is a pretty pretty good um, good asset, but I just he's always scored goals, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. If we cater I to, just, his needs. I just go on. yeah, it's also to do with the amount of shots we're taking. We're taking six to seven shots a game at the moment, especially so like when he's been playing inside, especially they've been taking upwards of 15 shots a game, it's no surprise that he's gotten more opportunities and scored more goals. I think that Aubameyang's troubles, especially last year, I think the argument you can make about Aubameyang last year is we were absolutely horrendous creatively. So he went through a very poor run. The confidence left a little. And then when we started to create more, we put Smithrow in the 10 kind of post-December. Numbers started to get better. It's just you have to build a player back up, don't you? You have to get them firing, get them times, get them opportunities. And I think that this, we we did that at the back end of last season and then he got struck down with malaria and it was a difficult route back. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's, we pay him 350 grand a week when, when all bonuses are kind of taken into consideration. We, even just for public perception, if we want to shift him on next season, he has to be the guy going forward. There can be no, no, unless we sign someone, unless we sign a Lautaro Martinez or somebody huge, Aubameyang has to be our centre forward for as many of the 38 games as he is fit for. Here's the thing. I just don't think he will be. Like, I just, I just don't think he will be. And, and I think then, and therefore his confidence will drop and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby if he's not if he's just not going to start he his confidence will drop and if he's not confident he's not going to score goals and i think it will spiral i mean we i don't want to be a doomsday guy i love Aubameyang and i would love him to bang 25 goals this season obviously i just i don't see where it comes from and if you plot his um his goals there's a natural curve you can see it sort of 2018 he was peaking and they've been dropping off ever since I, I just can't see a 30 goal season coming I don't think anyone's expecting a 30 goal season especially in the league but I just don't see if a Bam, if a Bamyang isn't sticking them in I think there's going to be a real um, problem for Mikel up front because I think you know when you especially when you've got young players banging on the door and I don't know. I think I think we are kind of forgetting that this guy is 32. There's going to be a natural drop off, which is fine and acceptable. But to then base your team around that, then maybe there's a conversation around the sort of business decision of that, which let's not have now. But in terms of what Mikel does next season, hmm. I don't see 38 starts for Aubameyang if he's fit in every game. I just don't. I, I don't see that either. But what you, obviously he is 32, but what you feel to, a lot of people feel to remember is he wasn't a regular starter for anyone until he was about 22 at St. Etienne. 
he he kind of was a bit of a late bloomer. He was in Milan's academy for a while, couldn't get in their team, and then then had to go to France. If you look at his, his stats last season alone, so not point two eight xG per ninety when on the wing, not point six four when through the middle. That is like six four is like as good as as good as anyone bar the the truly elite strikers. So yeah, he's not going to hit thirty, but I I can see fifteen minimum in the league. Yeah. 20 all comes, 15 in the league, I, I can see it. And also on Pepe, what what makes you think that he will definitely start every week? Because I would love him to, but number one, his stamina doesn't seem to be amazing. And number two, Mikel hasn't always fancied him. He didn't even play didn't even start 20 league games last season. So obviously towards the end he was in regularly, but I, I, again, I can't see him playing 38 games either. Uh, I suppose maybe maybe I said he'll play every game. I didn't necessarily mean that. I think he'll play more than Aubameyang. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, it's all conjecture. I mean, I really, I, I, I couldn't give you. It's yeah. such a difficult question because we could sell all, we could sell Lacazette and Enketia and not buy a striker, and then our only two yeah. options are Balogun and Aubameyang. So yeah. we're obviously going to see certain players play a lot more than we would expect. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't give you a definitive thing on Pepe and be like, well, this is why he'll start every game. But what I mm-hmm. can say about Pepe is I've seen a slow development f- from him. I think his defensive side of his game is much better. He contributes much better um, up and down the pitch. I think if he's used correctly, I think he can be a more effective attacking weapon for Arsenal than Aubameyang at the moment uh, and in how we play. That's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. we will see. We will see. Right, boys. Top assister. Let's hear your answers. Brad? Um, I am going to say Bakayo Saka. Uh, I because uh, this is going off the squad the way it is currently. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be kind of dredging up the the ten fifteen assists because we don't have a player in that kind of mold who's kind of pure output is to to do that to create opportunities I think if we bring in somebody to do that whether that's Erdegaard or anyone my answer may change depending on the person but I think that it's going to be another season where we've got Saka on six seven assists Smithrow on five assists and kind of have it shared quite evenly across that kind of three behind the striker so to guess a player out of that plays in those positions, I'd probably say Saka because he's probably going to be riding high off of the the success that he had with England and kind of breaking into that starting eleven. So I think we'll see a great season from him. ACR. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat in terms of no one's going to hit big numbers. I think it will be Smith Rowe though. I think he got he got four goals, eight assists, all competitions last season, and he only really was starting from December. So I probably see Smith Rowe seven eight assists in the league. Saka five six. Again, depends if someone does come in, but we're a pretty evenly spread team in terms of goals and assists. So yeah, yeah, yeah probably yeah. Smith Rowe seven eight assists, depending on how regularly he's playing. Of course. 
geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Porsche. Yeah, I'm with you, boys. I can't, I can't see someone absolutely dominating those stats in a sort of Urzel type thing because it's just simply not how we play. Um, I think we've got, you know, the sort of three behind the striker expected to to chip in with assists. I think we we'll get a couple from Tierney. Um, I mean, when Willian was our top assist last season with five, it does, it does tell us where we are a little bit. Um, I also and two of them came on the opening day of the season. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Saka. Uh, and the audience went with Smith Rowe, fifty-three percent of the uh, of the vote. So uh, we shall see. Split down the middle. Uh, player of the season. Player of the season. I'm going to start this one, and I'm going to go for Saka. Um, I think. I mean, I don't know uh, what you thought of his sort of exploits at the World Cup, Aaron, but like I. I was so impressed with Saka, so impressed with how his ball progression, so impressed with the spaces that he picks the ball up in, what he does with the ball when he gets it. He On the ball, I think there is very few people as exciting as him in world football in terms of um, just how he uses it and what, what he does with it. And I think there is so much room for development. I think there's also a space for new leaders in this team. And I think Saka can be that. I mean, you know, say what you will about the Gareth Southgate um decision to put him on the final penalty and I will but uh that says someone that says something about someone you know that says something about someone that tells you who they are and you know Saka is is someone who will take responsibility someone who will step up um and I think we saw last season that his performances just they very rarely drop unless he's knackered unless he's played too many minutes um I think he always delivers you a really really consistent level of performance and when there are a lot of people around him who are inconsistent I think that's such a a blessing for us to have a player like Saka um, and I just love him so he's my he's my player of the season Aaron yeah I think I think Saka will be up there Arsenal fans have a tendency to get bored so I don't think he'll <laughs> get so voted true. the player of the yes. season but I do think he will potentially be the most consistent player he, he, he probably won't hit crazy numbers it also depends on what side he plays so if he plays on the left, I could see him being our top assister. Um, but if he plays on the right, he does have that tendency to make the running behind more. So maybe I'll have a few more goals on that side. But I went with Thomas Party Again, Ooh. injuries could be um, could be a deciding factor here. But if he can play minimum 25, hopefully 30 Premier League games, I just think he's going to have like an unbelievable season. Especially if he has a little bit more... Um, ability to run forward because I think if he does play alongside Lokonga which I hope he does especially second half of the season Lokonga likes to drop deep in between the centre backs party can maybe go forward a bit more and hopefully not shoot into Rosette anymore but I just think he's going to be really consistent he's going to boss some big games I think we got a taste of it in some games last season but I really think he's going to going to show everyone why we paid the money yeah, and I think if we persist with the high line, I think Party could be really, really useful. Mm. Um, and I think you're right with with Lukonga, It might give him a bit more license to sit further forwards, win those balls higher up the pitch. Yeah. And he looked so so decisive in those in a, a couple of moments in preseason. Hopefully, we see more of that. Brad, 
Ben White on your on your list, or, or who'd you go for? He he actually was. It was between two players for me, um, and it was Ben White and Kieran Tierney, because I think that Aaron's totally right in what um, in what he says about Arsenal fans getting bored. I think the answer always will change is whether we're talking about the actual player of the season, like realistically, who do we think was our best yeah. player, and who, who the, the fans, fans voted in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm ending up going for Kieran Tierney purely on the basis that I think Ben White's going to have a massive impact in the way that we play. But for most fans who don't, who enjoy the game on a purely aesthetic level, just enjoy watching the game rather than thinking about tactics, reading into everything. Bless them, eh? Ben White's influence will go uh, very under the radar. I think it will be noticed by people who are really into football from a kind of tactical point of view from, and, and, and thrive off of that. But I think that kind of the most of the armchair fans of football won't, won't get to kind of see that. So I think Kieran Tierney, I think on that left-hand channel, depending on who's kind of in front of him, he has the opportunity to really be a monster. And to be fair, he even makes me consider change my answer for for top assist there because some of the balls that, that that boy can really whip in are sensational. The only reason I wouldn't put him as my top assister is because we have no one that can really head a ball. Uh, so yeah, I think Kieran Tierney, especially with, I can see him being given the captain's armband sooner rather than later. I can see him having an absolutely monstrous season. If Aubameyang has an absolute nightmare, Tierney will be wearing the armband come November, December. Yeah, I think I think you're right on the uh if we had someone who could head a ball. I think the Bamiya got like one headed goal in And it was the, the final minute. Benfica, like, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, Benfica. Yeah. Um I think it you know, I don't want him to clarify, but if we sign someone like Tammy Abraham, who by the way isn't actually as good in the air as people think, but I think he would improve with with the deliveries of Tierney and um and, and potentially Chambers. Yeah, I think probably Tierney could be could be our top assistant. Um fans went with Pepe. Uh, with 34% of the vote for player of the season and just to illustrate your point um, Aaron (laughs) for young player of the season which was under 23 there was three options Emil Smith-Rowe Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka and Smith-Rowe won um, which you know, I think when you (laughs) he's sort of the darling of the moment and I think you're you're, you're right there's some level of um, sort of newness which uh, which is nice so young player of the season uh, let's start with you Mikel um I think it'll be obviously Saka, like realistically if he's up there. But again, if we're going on who the fans will vote, fans always want something new. I would love to say Martinelli because I read him so highly, but I just don't think Mikel likes him that much. I, I don't really know if there's some kind of issue there. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. But I think Lakonga, I I think he's going to be eased into the team. It's going to be... Obviously, Party's out, so Lacombe will probably play a couple of games. But I think before Christmas, we will see Xhaka and Party as the main pivot. And then slowly but surely, Lacombe will get eased in the second half of the season. And I just think he's made for the Premier League. He's very well-rounded. He's very smooth. Like The way he dribbles really reminds me of Abu Dhabi. Just those long strides with technique, oh. with speed. And he can right. just... He can just that, that Abu Dhabi man, that man. <laughs> oh, honestly, I I do think what a career that man could have had without the injuries. 
I think Lukonga is going to have it. I really do. I think maybe he's not as big a threat in the final third, but I could just see that pivot with Party working in every sort of game. You've got physical presence there for the big games. You've got work rate, but they can also pick out those between the line passes. You know, you saw against Chelsea, I think it was, played the ball in behind for Pepe, which Willock apparently didn't score on, but that all came from Lukonga just sliding it in between, um, in between the lines. So, yeah, I've gone, I've gone with him. And again, Arsenal fans like something new. So Lukonga's new. They'll probably end up, end up voting him. Yeah, he's he's so he's so press press resistant. We talked about this uh, on the podcast on Monday. I mean, like how how even just having someone who you know, I mean, you know, we know what Xhaka can do. We know what he's going to do. We know what he likes to do, and so did the opposition team. But with Sambi, when you have such a range of passing, when he can chip it over you, when he can play it through you, when he can go around you, when you press him, he's he you can't get him. It just makes teams sit that couple yards extra off, and it gives a bit of space for for people to do the dangerous work. And he's someone who I think could have such a big impact on players around him as well as as well as just on the team in general. I think he's he's absolutely fantastic. Uh okay, young player of the season for you would be uh Lakonga. I'm I'm gonna go for Saka just because I love him. I feel like I don't need to necessarily uh, uh justify that one, Brad. Uh I think mine is gonna be Lakonga as well, purely because with this party injury, uh there's gonna be uh, I mean this is kind of caveated with if Mikel doesn't start El Nenny rather than Lukonga, which I can. And there's a good chance. Yeah, there's a very good chance we see that. Uh, but if Lukonga is given the the reins in that midfield, I can see it getting to a point where after the five or six week party's been out, it will be hard to take him out of the team, and the likely one to be taken out is Xhaka. So. And that's if Xhaka stays. Uh, so I, I do think Lukonga will end up being the young player of the season purely because it's opportunity. He's got the opportunity now to step on, impress, take that spot and make other senior players earn it. And I think for a lot of people, that is uh, going to bring a lot of attention to him. So I think that's probably my reasoning. I suppose it does depend on any signings as well. I mean, if we were to move yeah. for a for a Bruno or... Uh, I said Bruno because I can't pronounce his surname. Bruno uh, Gamaraj, yeah. Gamaraj. There you go. <laughs> Done me. Oh, no, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, yeah, a Bruno or, you know, even a... Uh, uh, who's the guy at Wolves? Um, uh, Neves. Neves. Ruben Neves. Ruben Neves. Um, you know, Ruben someone like that. I wonder, I wonder what happened to Sambi. But, I, I mean, it, he could have changed plans, man. He's he's that good. Like, he could, he really could have changed priority um, to come into a team and do so well. So, uh, we will we will see on that one. Um, breakout player. So, this is probably like a Smith Rowe from last season. Someone who's going to hopefully come into the team Um I mean, Sambi could could be put into this category and might be might be the answer. But is there anyone else uh, who you think this season is their breakout season? Maybe someone from the academy. Uh, we'll start with Bradley. Why did oh, I was going to say? Why don't you start, Alex? So okay, I will throw us these questions. Um, so you start. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose what I'd say is it probably will be it probably will be Sambi. I mean, realistically, but. There was an article recently, and I'm sure a lot of people saw it, where uh, someone who works in and around the academy basically said that Charlie Patino was the best player who's ever walked through the doors at Hale End. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I remember reading it and thinking, oh, that's high praise from that person um, in terms of their influence at the academy. So um, 
I can't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've seen him play, but I think there's a, um, you know, it's exciting to know that we have the likes of Miguel Aziz, who has not skipped leg day, let's say that, and uh, Charlie Patino, mm-hmm. especially in a midfield where there are gaps, you know, party injury prone, Jacka not entirely convincing. There is a space um, for someone to, to push into, whether that is Sambi or someone, but also there may be an opportunity for a Charlie Patino or, or Miguel Aziz in certain games. And, and I think it, obviously it all depends on incomings and outgoings, but I also do think we have quite an exciting midfield group. It's not finished and it's not exactly where I want it to be, but if we look completely across it, uh, uh, and also on the opportunity thing, there's the AFCON as well. So Party and, uh, and El Neni will be going, so you never know what, what would happen with that. But I think in terms of the group, you know, El Neni, Aziz, um, Party, Xhaka, uh, Sambi, and Patino, there's a lot of quality there and a lot of potential there and a lot of uh, good questions to be asked as in, you know, players who can come in and prove us right, hopefully. Um, so I'm 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 encouraged. I will get off the fence and say, I mean, I think it's going to be Sambi, but which will be my answer. But I would um, heavy pencil uh, one of Patino or Aziz or potentially both. So all three of them is my answer. <laughs> Every single one. Of the youth players. Breakout player could be any of them. That's my answer. <laughs> For fuck's sake. What do you reckon, Aaron? I'm going to go for a bit of a cop-out and not say a youngster. I'm going to go for Calm Chambers. Um, obviously, Ooh. not necessarily a breakout because he was a regular under Wenger for a while, but I just think he's going to have a mad season at right back. Especially with what Mikel seemingly wants to do, where he likes having someone else tuck in. Previously, it had been Xhaka going left centre back, but I could just see Chambers tucking in on that on that right side, potentially inverted. Gives more freedom for Tierney to go forward. Chambers has a good whip on him. He's relatively quick. He's a decent. He's a decent passer of the ball, and I don't think we'll sign a right back as well. So. I hope we get rid of Bellerin and we have Maitland-Niles and we have Chambers and then if we need him, Cedric. But I, I can just see Chambers having a really consistent season. And people always go on about that that Swansea game. What was it, 2014? It wasn't even but that bad. I watched it, like, it, it, it It really wasn't that bad. He got skimmed a couple of times when he was 19. But, um, we all? So, <laughs> but apparently... So I this is a bit of a of a weird flex but so i know someone who works at dundalk dundalk fc and they said all the dundalk players said chambers was like absolutely rapid like they they don't understand he's he's, they all said he was the quickest player by far that they played that night so i do think people kind of exaggerate his his physical inefficiencies and i i just think he's gonna have a very consistent season nothing incredible but just sevens up across the board. Very natural Monreal-esque. Mm. Was that a football.london understands that Callum Chambers is very quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's more it's of a, a Aaron cutterson Reed understands, but yeah. <laughs> it's an exclusive. While we're on that, we do have a question from at Sam underscore Trotters who says, seems quite trivial, but with no mention of a new right back in the media, who is the best option in our squad currently? And do you think Tavares, who is great with both feet, could perform better than any of our current options at right back? So, I mean, you sound like Chambers is your guy, but it means there anyone... Yeah you think that could rival him? I think Maitland-Niles. I I really liked him there, especially under Arteta in the early days. That game against United when we won 2-0, I just thought he was brilliant and he links with Pepe perfectly. 
So Bellerin and Chambers often like to overlap when we're in the final phase. Maitland-Niles not as much and Maitland-Niles helps us in transition massively. So I, I really I want to see Maitland-Niles and Chambers via it out for that spot. We have had another question from uh, the different knock who is at diff knock says, why do you have PS4 headphones on? <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> uh, okay. So break, breakout player, Callum Chambers, Brad, uh, what, what's your, what's your take? Uh, I'm going to go uh, Flo Balligan because uh, I think we're going to sell Lacazette. I think we're going to sell Enketia. Both of them with only 11 months left on their deals both of them seemingly have clubs interested. You know, there's talk of Enketia to Brighton, which I think would be a good move for them. Uh, so I think it will be Balogun because with the way that Arsenal seem to be talking and moving about money, we're not going to bring in the profile of striker we want this summer. That's probably going to be a next summer job. And I can see us just deciding to cut our losses and sell the two players and... Let Abamyang, Balogun, Martinelli, and Pepe cover that centre forward position, and I think the most likely and natural berth will be Abamyang first choice and Balogun second choice, and he'll get some minutes under his belt and he'll do well. And I think it will be a breakout that no one expects because I think now that we've seen some of Sambi, we we know that he's good. Whereas I think uh, Balogun's qualities, I think, will come out of nowhere for a lot of. For a lot of people, which will, will be which will be great for us, it will break out. Uh, unsurprisingly, eighty-seven percent of the votes went for Sambi Lakonga. Uh, any trophies? The answers available to the audience were yes, no, which won with fifty-nine percent, and absolutely fucking not, which got fourteen percent of the vote. Uh, Brad, let's start with you. What, what what do you reckon? I mean, I I. <laughs> I'm going to take the Premier League off the table. Maybe I, call me crazy, but I'm going to take it off the table. Uh, probably then Carabao Cup or FA Cup. It's a bit of a lottery, but I mean, I can't see it happening, do you? Because I think we need to focus on the league. No, I think it is going to be one of those things where Mikel knows he's got that in his cabinet. He's not desperate to win. He's. I don't think he's going to be in a situation where he feels like he's desperate to win a cup to prove himself. He's just wanting to improve that league position so he can buy better players, have more influence. So I think it will be a... I think we'll go out of both cups quite early uh, because I don't think he gives a shit about them. Uh, and this is all fucking conjecture because it's not like I'm, I'm calling him on the daily being like, what's your opinions on these? Uh, no, I just don't think we're going to care about them this season. I think we're going to go full steam ahead into the league. And I I, just, I see no world in which we, we win a cup. AACR? AACR? Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> City, City have the League Cup on lock once at four years in a row. And so unless we're 10th come April and still in the FA Cup and we go all out for it, I just don't see us winning a trophy, to be honest. What about you? Nope. Here's the big one. <laughs> League position. League position. And I want a, not a, well, if we make, to, uh, give me a number. Because I want to, at the end of the season, when one of us will be wrong, I'm going to go, ha ha, you got it wrong. You couldn't predict what would happen nine months in advance with about three billion variables, you <laughs> loser. Um, and if you get it right, you were, you were right and you can see the future. Uh, so I'm going to start... Um, and I'm going to go with fifth. <laughs> I'm 
I went for fourth last bold. season. Yeah, I went for fourth last season, and that was bold. So I'm going to continue my uh, my, my uh, bold predictions. I just think, as much as I do think you're right, Aaron, that the kind of lack of European football can be overstated, I am still optimistic on transfers. Um, and I'm going to caveat, as I did last year, and say with transfers, fifth. Um, I think at least... If we get at least one first teamer in, I think fifth is 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 possible. Um, I just think that the the lack of European football, the the players that we have in our squad, if you look at the names that we have, we have to be performing better. Like we we have to be the attack that we have is like n- names wise, we should be capable. It's the most of expensive it. in the Premier League. We should be capable of it. Most expensive front three. We should be capable of fifth. I think there's a lot of players who I look at, and I think this is you know this is massive, massive kind of conjecture and soft factors. But I think there's a lot of people with points to prove. Um, I think the likes of Emil Smith Rowe, you know, just been given the ten new contract. I think has a lot to grow into. I think Abamyang has a lot to prove after last season. I think Lacazette needs to either earn himself a move away or earn himself a position in the team. I think Pepe still has a lot to prove. Um, I mean, everyone has a lot to prove in, in every situation, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of our kind of front three and a lot of the the attacking group uh, have a room to grow in terms of the younger players and can grow into those positions or are players who are on fraud watch and need, you know, need some looking at. Maybe it's optimistic uh, and I could be, you know, sat here in December crying into my cup of tea, but... Uh, I'm going to go with fifth because it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> uh, Brad, go on. Uh, I think sick. That was a very whistly S. Yeah, very whistly. Sick. Uh, I think that Spurs are going to drop away even if Kane stays. You know, new manager who I don't rate really. Uh, Loris has been on the decline for a while. They've lost kind of that whole core of of a defence and whilst Romero I think is a good signing he's coming into a league he's never played in that is played at such a rapid pace uh, so I think they will fall away um, I think Villa will fall away I think West Ham yeah, I think West Ham genuinely have a team of about 15 or 16 players and the rest are just youth prospects at the moment so I think they're fucked Um the only, yeah, I, I think that, again, it, it depends on transfers because if we get Madison and Leicester can't get somebody in of equal quality, I could see us going fifth over them and having kind of Chelsea, United, City and Liverpool in the top four and us outside. Uh, so I think I'm going to say, okay, that's my girlfriend on the buzzer. Hello. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> Basically, basically, I think a lot of clubs are going to fall away and it it is, I think, it's caveated on if we don't get Madison from Leicester and that specifically, it will be Leicester fifth and Arsenal sixth. But if we do take that kind of gem in their crown, I can see us kind of pulling above them. So I think it will be, it will be fifth or sixth, depending on the business done. Uh... More to more is like if because if you're taking such a value player away from a club and they've got to replace them, that's going to have a massive dent on their season. So, yeah, I think sixth. Realistically, I think sixth is and it's the bottom of what I want, but I think that's where we should aim. 
So I think we'll come fifth, but we have to sign. We have to sign a creator. We have to sign Odegaard, Madison, or someone of that ilk. If they don't come in, it'll be a considerable drop off. It'll be seventh, eighth type thing. But if we sign someone who's a chief chance creator who can go alongside Smith, Rosaka, Pepe, then I, I think fifth, because I, I think we're going to have a really good season defensively. I think we're going to be yep. up there. Chelsea, City will lead the way, but I think us and United, maybe third and fourth. Obviously, Liverpool have Van Dijk back, but who knows how, how that's going to go. I, I just think we need an injection of creativity. We need someone who can break down those deep blocks. And if we get that, I do think we'll come fifth, but like you said, it's pretty it's pretty bold given how bad we've looked in preseason anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, preseason is difficult to 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 look at and and take too much kind of. It, well, it's difficult to know what to take from it, but I do think Ben White will allow us to play a slightly higher line, which will help. Um, I think defensively we're going to be a lot more solid. I love, I love you know Tierney, Gabriel, and Ben White. I think we've got the. The sort of the makings of a really really good uh, defense there. Hopefully Leno picks up a bit of form, uh, and I think yeah, I would and uh, learns how to kick a football. <laughs> oh, have Aaron Ramsdale, mate. We'll be fine. Um, the <laughs> Pratt's face, uh, but the, yeah, I I think I I'm I'm with you, Aaron. As long as we sign a creator, I'm optimistic. I'm also looking around in a similar way to Brad and going, I don't see where Everton are this year. I don't see. What happens with Spurs? Probably in without, the bottom ten without Kane firing on all cylinders. You know, if his head's elsewhere, and he wants to leave. I don't. I don't see how they they get through. Um, I'm not sure Nuno's the greatest coach in the world. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible, especially without European football. We also have to factor in the fact factor in the fact that the facts of the factor in the factor that that Saka, Smithrow, Martinelli, Tierney, Ben White, all of these guys are young and improving and will improve throughout oh. the season. Um, and will have taken many experiences from last season. Um, you know, Saka over the summer, Tierney even over the summer as well. Will take experiences and, and and bring them forward. And I think you know when we have a young team, it's exciting, but it also means that we can hope for some improvement. And there may be games that mm. we have at the beginning of the season, which is why I'm with you, Aaron, as well. Like I think we're probably going to have quite a poor start for many different reasons. Um, but I think, and I'm praying as long as you know we don't absolutely capitulate i think towards the end of the season i'm fairly optimistic about um some decent results but yeah it's all it's all pre- it's all predicated on on creating some more chances because if we don't do that we're we're up shit's creek without a paddle mate um and so much could happen between now and then you know like if if other players like if other teams get their players bought you know I think Liverpool really need to sell one of their front three, all of them 29 with two years left on their contract. If that happens, they, they've done really no kind of major business other than Canate so far. So if that happens, there's going to be a massive knock-on effect to them. Van Dijk is not going to be the same Van Dijk for maybe another six, six months. Because that's that's a horrific injury, man. And he's got to get back to it. So there is a lot of room for positivity and kind of movement for Arsenal if we get the next three weeks right. <laughs> only a small... A a, yeah, only that's a small a if. if. Yes. When have we if. ever gotten it right? <laughs> uh, very, very quick over and unders before we do some wider league stuff and a couple of questions. Uh, so just some specific over-under questions. Abamyang 
over or under 15 goals? I'm going under. Over. In the league, in the league, in the league. Over. Over. Yeah, I'm going over as well, yeah. You're both going over. Yep. Oh, I wish I believed. I wish I believed. Saka, over or under 15 goal contributions in the league? Under. Oh, goal contributions. Goal contributions, uh, so goal or assist? Under. Under, still. Just, just both going under? I'm going over. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, Willian. <laughs> over or under? If it's anything higher than two, we're, we're just going to skip past. Over or under 15 appearances, so that could be subs, in the league? Under. Over, but not for Arsenal. <laughs> for Norwich. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'll he'll go to the MLS or something. If he stays under anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it'll be under. I I, sure. In the league, it will definitely Surely be it'll under. be under. <laughs> the audience have voted, for the love of God, under 55% yeah. as one. <laughs> Uh, they went uh, they went over for Saka and they went under for Aubameyang, so they're, they're with me on those two. Uh, last two, Lukonga. Such a popularist, Alex. Oh. Well, well, I win. I win the popular vote, so that's all that matters. Um, Lukonga, <laughs> right, Donald, calm down. <laughs> Lukonga, over or under? Well, he lost the popular vote, so not in the yeah. first. Oh wait, did he lose it? But yeah, he yeah, did he lose did, it yeah. both times. I don't know why I've called you Donald there. Should have called you Hillary. Yeah. Suits me better. Um, uh, Sambi, over or under 15 league appearances? If it's just appearances, definitely over. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Over and overwhelmingly 89% of people have said over. Uh, I think that was the end of the predictions. Uh, we do have some wider league ones, but we'll do some questions first. Uh, let's do at Nico Pepe Ting, who says, who do you think will be Arsenal's most surprising player, good or bad? Can I take this? Well, no. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I think <laughs> Granite Xhaka. I have long yeah. ribbed on him for, and I, I do not think he is, he is good enough in a lot of ways. But I think with the improvements made, especially with Ben White and Lakonga possibly starting alongside him, less pressure on him, I think he will have for him a great season. And I think that will surprise a lot of people. Aaron? Obviously, I did good earlier. Chambers was kind of mine. For bad, it's a really weird one. And I hope it's not true. I just have a weird feeling Gabriel is going to stink up the place. I really like him. And I think he is a good, he has good assets. But he just has that Socrates, that Mustafi gene where he just wants to slide tackle anything that moves. And it scares me. It, so I have a weird feeling Gabriel is going to not be that great Saliba will come in next season and take his place but hopefully improve from hot take football understands that yeah hot take man yeah I, I, I love it I don't I know on Gabriel it. I'm yet to be convinced but I, I, I'm, I'm not saying no because I, I can see that happening uh I'm more optimistic, but yeah, I'm 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 yet to be convinced. Uh, mine is Leno. My uh, good or bad on the bad side. Mm. Oh, I think well, with the, I haven't given a bad yet. I think mine with will the, be Leno as well. Jesus, I think with the higher line. I think with less uh, defenders, a la Rob Holding, who will sit and stand next to him. I think 
we could see some wolves esque move- movements yeah. uh, a lot more. I just, I just think he he doesn't have the facilities, big man. But more, to, I think, I think it's it's one of those things. It's a when you don't make those mistakes, you don't even think about it. But he does make those mistakes, so he just it's it's like a, a self fulfilling prophecy where like mm. I think he knows he's suspect there, so he will make lots of decisions that, and he'll. I just think he'll look more and more flappable as the season goes on. If we want to play that five ten yards further up the pitch, Leno has to play a slightly different way and has to be becoming the you know the the, the third centre back at times and you know not third centre back but you know what I mean that that available man in that That's in that sweeper. position. Yeah. And I don't think he's got the facilities, and I no. think it will really expose him. Um, I've loved Leno in certain in certain phases of Arsenal's development. I just don't think this is the one. If we're trying to play further up the pitch, with you know with the signings of Sambi, with the signings of Ben White, with yeah, it looks like we are. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I, I just think he, he could be really exposed. Um, I don't know about good surprise. I think it's, I think it's his concentration for me. He's a fantastic goalkeeper under high volume. When he's in the game and we're conceding 20, 25 shots and he's there, he is sensational. You know, some of his performances in that, I think the season that he got voted our player of the season, remind me of that fucking... David De Gea against Arsenal performance where, you know, nothing on earth could have made them concede a goal that day. And at points, you know, he was sensational, but he does lack the concentration to be switched on at all times required to judge when to when to get there. You know, with that Wolves one where he got sent off, that's all about his kind of anticipation and time of arrival that's why he's got such bad handling from crosses because he just can't anticipate properly we saw in the game against Chelsea in pre-season I think it's Ziyech loft the ball over him because he times his run out so poorly that it is just going to create issues and I think that's why I uh, like we're clamoring for a new goalkeeper in the whole transfer saga around that is getting more and more frustrating because it seems like one of the most obvious places of improvement. Who do you mean? Who's frustrating, Brad? Aaron Ramsdale. (laughs) A slightly wider question from Adam, who is at a 10 football. He says, who do you think would be the biggest surprise player? He did say in Arsenal, we've covered that in the Premier League. Sorry to put you on the spot there. I didn't really <laughs> I prepare for this, but uh, Pats and Daka Leicester think he's going to have a really good season. Shout! Uh, I've got one for a bad season. Go on, Jack Grealish. Ooh. Yeah, I think I, I think, think his he's space so is occupied. Used to, I think he's mm. so used to being the main man and having a game plan that allows him to be kind of his mercurial self. <laughs> That that in that pep system. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I do, I do. I think it's like the second or third time I've used it today. Um, I, I just think in a pep system where where there's there's way more structure, there's way more need to be performing your role, I think he'll struggle a little at first, if not a lot. Doesn't Mercurial mean inconsistent anyway? Maybe I'm wrong. I think it means, I think it is, as in like the quality of mercury, which is something that moves up and down in a thermometer, in a um, a temperature gauge. Okay. 
which I think is like it. it I don't I know, know it responds it, yeah. to heat or something. Let's it's like it. it goes up and down quick. I don't know. It's got some kind of. It's like a. Grealish does respond to heat. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he falls over. That's what happens. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on, Brad. Let's let's learn something. What does mercurial mean? Oh, it keeps asking me if I'm a bloody robot. Give me two seconds. <laughs> Has your technology ever oh, worked, bro? Has anything ever worked for you? <laughs> Probably not. It's asked me that question about seven times. All right. Um, yeah, you're right. Sudden to uh, Subject to sudden or unpredictable changes of mood or mind, apparently. There you go. But I don't... It's, it's used a lot in football terms, so I wonder it's, what they it's mean. It's just Nike Mercurials. Terms, yeah, it's, or of... Yeah. Or of containing the, the element of mercury. But I think it is that unpredictability, that ability okay. to do something out of nothing and create something, win yeah. something in football terms. And I think that that's, that's not, that's going to, he's going to be so used to just doing his own thing that I think the structure is going to hurt at first. Yeah. I, I don't really have a take on this. I do think Thiago is going to have a better season than last season. But I mean, that's yeah. that's sort of... I mean, it's not yeah, hard. I think that's, that's sort of yeah. pulling out my arse, really. Speaking of pulling out of our arse, I want the spiciest takes you got. I know nothing about Arsenal, so think about how much I know about the Premier League. Uh, I want your title winners. I want your golden boot. And I want you to predict an event. Mine are City, obviously. Golden boot for Lukaku. And I think Chelsea won't win the league or the Champions League. And I think Tuchel may be sacked. That's spicy. That's fucking... That's very spicy. That is a spicy spicy take. League winners, uh, I am going to go City. I don't think anyone gets near them. Uh, Golden Boot, Salah. Can we just, on that, very quickly, I'm sorry, have you seen their squad depth? It's disgusting. Someone put up a picture of their two 11s. Both 11s could be us. Yeah, their they're, B team's way better. It's not even a question. They're way it's better. It's just disgusting. <laughs> it is just filthy. Uh, I think Salah's going to get the golden boot. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. Um, he's a mercurial talent. Oh fuck off! <laughs> um, <laughs> hot take. Uh, I, I, do you know what? I don't think you're far wrong with Tuchel getting the sack by the end of the seat by. Because I th- I don't think Chelsea. Are you are making it. this up? I did send you this earlier. No, I'm just thinking about it. All right. Oh we're, right. We're an hour. And, no, but, we're an hour and thirty minutes into a conversation, Alex. But I thought. Okay, I thought we were going to prepare him, but uh, obviously. Not. I, I mean, I prepared most. Aaron's of them. prepared. Oh, all right. All right. Calm down. <laughs> I kind of gave you my event. Um, what Grealish? Not not. Yeah. Uh, I reckon. Li- I reckon. I do reckon Liverpool can have a very bad season, you know. I really do. Okay. They're made, like, Van Dijk is the thing that took that team to the next level. He basically won them a league and a Champions League because he is the best centre-back in the world. And you saw what happened when they were without him. And I, I think everyone's expecting to come with him kind of full pelt. And with the Klopp era coming to an end, I think it could end on quite a sour note. Mmm. Serve me up a spicy oh. take, please, Aaron catterson Reed. <laughs> Well, City win the league, obviously. It's the oil cooking, uh, yeah. Kane top scorer, unless Lukaku takes penalties for Chelsea, but I don't think he will. I think it'll be Jorginho. Mm. And my spicy take, Brendan Rodgers to be sacked. Oh! <laughs> oh, le- that is a spicy one. <laughs> that is... Le- Leicester to have a pretty okay season, but I think Vardy's going to fall off massively. 
if we sign Madison and apparently they're after Lingard as a replacement. Hmm. And so their underlying numbers under Rodgers have been really, really bad recently. And I think they'll fall away and come maybe seventh, eighth, not have a great Europa League run because people forget Bren Rodgers has a terrible record in Europe. So I think he, I don't, I'm not, I don't think they'll be horrific, but I think they'll underperform and B. Rodge will be sacked. You don't think hashtag J Lings is going to save their season? Uh, not quite. Not quite. Even if Madison stays, I, I don't think they'll have an amazing season. He has bottled. He has bottled top four twice. Yeah. So. Yeah, they do. They do fall I away. Think, I think the patience is wearing thin. Mm-hmm. I think the FA Cup saved him. Yeah. Big time. <coughs> Fucking hell. Why are United keeping <coughs> Lingo? The, the take was so spicy he had to cough. Yeah, just calling Jesse Lingard strange. Uh, right, boys, we've done it. We've done it. Predict. We oh. predicted. There were some spicy, spicy takes. Um, <sighs> okay, that was an hour and a half. I don't even know what to say anymore. Uh, yeah, Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Shooting the breeze with you. Best of luck with Football London. Plug yourself away. Thank Tell you. people where they can find you. Yeah, so I'm at Read the Game on Twitter. Follow me for some pretty reasonably spicy takes like like I've just given love it love that's it that's it short and sweet lovely alright Brad pleasure as always oh as always my friend and let's that's all pray all let's all pray tonight that Aaron Ramsdale and the paperwork somehow get lost in the fax machine final take final take score prediction for Brentford v Arsenal 3-1 Arsenal I'm going one all. I'm going 2-2 two, two. All right, boys, we'll see you after the Brentford game and we'll see you in June when all of those things we just said were wrong. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I uh, really appreciate you being here. Uh, watch out for our pod after the Brentford game on Friday or probably Saturday. Keep it different, Knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.